beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Okay, Ali Casaza is someone I didn't even know I needed in my life until now. She sent me her new book, Declutter Like a Mother, based on her popular online program of the same name. Great name, right? And I read it in one sitting on the airplane, actually. When Allie and I recorded this episode together a couple of weeks ago, I'd already read her book and we had a great conversation for this show that you're about to listen to, but it also ended up being a message that I needed a week or so to really sink in. Like, yeah, yeah, declutter, your space matters, all that stuff, it's real. But in the week that followed us recording together, I started to realize how much my stuff was strangling me. 
This was kind of surprising given the timing because our family moved houses just a few months ago. And in that process, we did multiple rounds of deep, deep decluttering and organizing and donating and all of that. So for the first time since I've become a mom, basically the first time in over a decade, I haven't really felt like I have too much crap everywhere because we really did clear a lot of clutter when we moved. But still, what Allie was saying in her book and in our conversation, it nagged at me. And I started to notice that my current problem isn't abundance of stuff, but how I'm using or organizing or storing this stuff that I've decided to keep. So all that to say, this might be one of those episodes that you listen to and then you think about again next week, then it pops into your head again in 10 days, that kind of thing. So listen to it in that frame of mind. You can learn more about my guest, author, and podcaster, Ali Casaza at declutterlikeamother.com. You can listen to her podcast, The Purpose Show, and buy her new book, Declutter Like a Mother, anywhere books are sold. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ali Casaza. Her new book is called Declutter Like a Mother. Allie, welcome to 10 Things to Tell You. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to talk with you. I am so excited to talk with you because I read your book about a month ago. It is totally stuck with me. I actually read it almost in one sitting, which I don't do very often, but I couldn't put it down. Also, I was on the airplane and I was like, well, I just have to keep going with this. And so thank you for writing it. Thank you for coming to talk with us about it. Of course. That makes me so happy. Thank you. It's, it's like when you're writing something, especially this topic, I'm like, I'm like getting to the parts where, you know, when we get super nitty gritty and we're like talking about the bathroom and I'm like, this is really freaking boring. (laughs) So I'm happy that it doesn't read that way to me now, but when you're actually sitting and like writing it out, I'm like, okay, like I need to remember like, this is all a means to an end. And this is all like to help them. And it's just the nitty gritty, but you know, you're putting it together and it's like, dear Lord, like this (laughs) feels dry. (laughs) It's not because we'll get to this in a second, but I felt like some of your best advice wasn't anything I had heard before. Like, it's not like the popular trendy decluttering minimalism advice. We're going to talk about that in a second. But first, just for my listeners who maybe are new to you, will you tell us a little bit about your story, like how you came to being a declutterer mother? Yeah. (laughs) Somebody said to me yesterday in an interview, like, oh, like, so you're the mother that declutters. Like it's you. That's what the book is about. And I was like, uh, not, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really, it's funny how people like interpret it different ways. So for me, like all the work that I do with these amazing women on the internet came from my own story, my own struggle. And I think really the, the heart of it was about nine years ago. Um, I had three really, really little ones, babies and toddlers back to back to back at four now, but I had three at the time. It was, It was this crazy, intense, beautiful time that I could see no beauty in. 
I would wake up in the morning and just have this like sinking feeling of dread in my stomach, which makes me want to cry almost every time I talk about it, because now things are more crazy and more full. Like I have another baby. We homeschooled our kids all the way up until this year. Like we've been with them so many hours and it's our house is noisy and full and a lot. And I have started a business. Like I've traveled, we've moved so much has happened and it's like even more, but I wake up in the morning and I have this like excitement that the sun is out and that I get to do it again. And I know now that that's how it's supposed to be. And it wasn't then. So when I look back for like past alley, it just wrecks me because I remember that. And I think so many readers are there and that's what this book is for is to pull them out of that place in a way that's really light and doable being that overwhelmed. So for me then, like I didn't, I was reading books. I was trying to find resources. I was, you know, Googling and searching for help. And I really just felt like the message was, yeah, of course you feel that way. You have three little babies in a row. Like it's insane. This is motherhood. And you think it's hard now, like just wait till they're teenagers, but also just like soak it up because it goes so fast. Like it was just this like messy, contradicting, hopeless message of it's on you to soak it up and carpe all the DMs, but also expect it to be an absolute crap show all the time because that's motherhood. And this is your identity now. This is your life. And there's really no way out. Also, it gets worse when they're teens. Like, Mm -hmm. are you... (laughs) And I remember, I remember telling my husband, I don't know why anyone would willingly go into being a mother if they know beforehand that this is what it is. I will fully admit, I wished I wasn't a mom anymore at that time. And that made me feel so guilty. And I think that that's what caused the heaviness. Cause I felt like that was not okay. It's not okay. It's not good. And I felt like I had that secret on me. And it was just like breeding like this darkness, this depression, this absolute overwhelm, and also kind of trying to force myself to like it and force myself to be okay and get organized, which never really was a bandaid on a bullet wound, you know? Mm-hmm. So skimming over so many things to get to the point, I had this day where I really just asked for help. Like I asked higher power, God, please help a girl out. Like what am I missing here? And that day I noticed something that I'd never noticed before. And I saw myself going through the day and all I was really doing, Laura was reacting to problems, reacting to my home, reacting to stuff, putting things away that I didn't even know we had. Like I would just you know, you're just mindlessly picking up doing things. And it's like, where did this even come from? This like random McDonald's toy from God only knows when my child is two years old. They don't need this to just stuff like that. I noticed that I was laundering clothes that I hadn't worn. Like they just must've fallen off the hanger and got thrown at just extra work that didn't seem necessary. And I think just cause I was so desperate at that time, I had this thought like, well, if there was no stuff, If we had no clothes to wash, no dishes to eat off of, no toys to play with, I wouldn't be doing any of this. And I would be able to decide what I do with my time, be a present mom, hang out with my kids. And like, that would be awesome. Obviously that's not realistic, but then that led me to like, what if there was just way, way less? Like, what if I stripped it down to the bones? 
this was nine years, 10 years ago. So there was no, I didn't know about minimalism. There was no books or trends or documentaries. I didn't know that was called that. I just was like a desperate young mom trying to make things better mm-hmm. because I was scared of where I was emotionally headed mm-hmm. or actually just where I already was. And I didn't want to keep going down that drain. And so I tried it that day, that night, I just slowly started getting rid of things. I started with the kids toys because it just was so constant. And for what they wouldn't even, they didn't even really play with their things. They just was, they were overstimulated. Now I know that. And just my closet, like I just started hacking away at it and my life got lighter. Um, my relationship with myself improved. I could think I could feel, I could breathe. Mm -hmm. My depression lifted and didn't come back. My relationship with my husband improved because I was doing better. My kids relationship with each other, they would play for like a long time in the mornings, which was great. And that became my amazing, like self-growth, self-improvement prayer time. And for a mom with babies and toddlers to have that that's that the proof is in the pudding, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, everything just spiraled from there in the best way possible and changed everything. God, I have so many things to say. I completely relate to what you're saying about the message being really hopeless. You know, if it doesn't appeal to you to be thriving in that mess, which I know for some for some women, it does seem to be like this one big, fun, happy messy, crazy season. But I'm with you that that did not help my anxiety. It did not make me feel like I liked who I was becoming, like all of those things. I did not thrive in like that really messy, hard season. And I felt a lot of the hopelessness that you're describing that the messaging towards moms is like, isn't this fun? Or if it's not fun, too bad. (laughs) Like that is just so, so hard. Like even joking about like, oh my God, like, isn't this so not fun? Like, it's so not fun. I'm going to make jokes about it because I don't know what else to do. Instead of like, let's just be real with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think like, to your point, when there are people that are like, yes, I will. I like it like this is our crazy mess. And this is my identity is just the chaos. Okay. Okay. But is it helping you? or hurting you? And your answer to that question is all that matters. Well, I do think that I understand like the rise of the hot mess mom was a relief for a lot of people. Like it was relatable to be like, okay, good. I don't have it all together. But you wrote about in the book, a thing that really stood out to me that it's now the pendulum has swung so far where like the together mom, the mom that does have like a clean house or, you know, seems to have her life together is calm and centered or whatever is almost like villainized. Like that, that person is, is made fun of, or like held up as like a stick in the mud kind Mm -hmm. of person. Yeah. Like she's villainized. She's always like the B word in the movies that she's the one that they get, gets made fun of. And to the movies point, she usually is her attitude, like she's not a nice person, but it's kind of like the, something that my husband and I have worked, been working really hard in our parenting is teaching the kids a positive relationship with money and wealth and abundance. And that you really can't do much of what you want to do. If you don't have money and you really can't do much in changing the world without it. And good people need to have wealth so they can do amazing things. And I've noticed since we've been really adamant about that, that the bad guy in movies is always rich 
the person in the movie is always like this greedy and it's always money. And the hero is always like Robin hood. Right. And that kind of messaging, I think there is sometimes truth in it, but I also think it could be really dangerous and be sending a lot of subconscious messages. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's like, that's the kid's version with money and wealth. And then this is like the adult woman version with motherhood is like, she's always evil. She's always got some deep hidden issues she's hiding that make her more relatable in the end. It's like, like, okay, right now is a great example. I just moved across the country. My office background is how I want it. And literally that's it right now. There are boxes. There's a wall getting literally torn in half. There's bags of pillows that are not going to be put on the couch for months because we're not there yet. Like I am living in a construction zone and it is an absolute crapshoot. Like it's insane. And I'm not here to say I'm handling it perfectly. I had such a meltdown this morning that I had to go and take a minute and just lie on my floor in my room and like breathe and pray and cry and get it out because this is so hard. And I'm taking it out on my husband, taking it out on myself. I'm taking it out on everyone because it's too much. It's too much at the same time as a book launch. And I should have known that, but I didn't. And here we are. So it's not like, and I'm just like Zen all the time and just like so present because there's like less stuff. Well, there's still a mess when you're renovating. There's still some things. There's still laundry that has to get done. There's still school to be, take the kids to. There's still homework to help with and meals to make. It's just that if we could be real with each other and get back to grounded and stop wrapping our identity up and I'm like perfect and you're a mess, your identity is not your house. Your identity is not your current mood. Your identity is not your status in any way, shape or form. And getting back to this is who I am. And right now I'm feeling really chaotic and Mm -hmm. I'm going to navigate this as best I can. And that is more than enough. And my identity is not a mess because my environment is a mess right now typically it's not this way, but right now it is. And it just has to be okay. Does that make sense? Like it's in the identity. That's what I have a problem with, with the hot mess mom thing. Yes. Uh, amen to everything that you said, everything. I, I agree with all of that. And also we cannot deny, and I've been preaching this on my show for a long time, not in decluttering, but um, in environment that our space matters the space around us matters, how we have decorated it, how we have cleaned it or not, how it makes us feel, like the colors, the scents, like all of these things really, really matter. And we can't dismiss them because, you know, we're overwhelmed by the process of making our home the way we want, or we, you know, think that it shouldn't matter from a value standpoint or where you're a renter. So we're not allowed to paint or what, I mean, all of these excuses that we can come up with. And I've done all of them, by the way, because I also moved recently and actually months ago, my house is still a disastrous mess, but I know that it matters and it's affecting my own, the way I'm moving through the day and that I'm giving myself all the grace in the world to take my time and unpack the house the way I want to, But I also realize that it's affecting me the longer this process goes on. And so it's like a balance to like be aware. My space matters. This is affecting me. Also, 
I'm a human. So have grace for myself, but you can't just like throw all it all out the baby with the bathwater. Like it, it all matters. Our space truly, truly matters to our peace. Yes. And, and like what you said is so golden because that awareness of like, this is the big thing for me this morning. I am like more at my breaking point because of my environment, because I study the fact that your environment affects you and my environment is affecting me. So it's not really my book launch. It's not really my family. It's not my spouse. It's not my work. It's my environment that I'm doing all those things in is having an impact on me because it is not the normal way it is. It's very overwhelming and it's chaotic. And so there is chaos within. So then there's chaos. Does that make sense? So it's like, yeah, you're right. That awareness is key that it is affecting me. And so I'm not, I will like, this is not a book about decluttering. It is a book about self-love and valuing yourself and aligning your space with what is going to serve you because you are doing so much. You are doing so much for this world just by being alive and raising your babies and doing whatever it is you do from the main hours of the day. And if your environment is not supporting you and working for you fully, then it is working against you and you are worth more than that. So yeah, we have temporary seasons, but ultimately, no, this space we pay for must work for us or it is a waste and it's hurting Mm -hmm. us, it's affecting us. This space we pay for must work for us. That is such a good, such a good thing to say. With sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. So that's all the philosophical thoughts around our space and our <laughs> decluttering. But now I actually do kind of want to talk a little bit about literal decluttering because I liked what you said about minimalism and the idea that even though you 
have said everything you've said to us today and in your book and in your courses and online about decluttering, but also minimalism can steal our joy. No one is saying that, that I've heard. I've heard so much about yay minimalism, like all of the things that we know that are popular. I've read those books. I've watched those docs, everything. And then, then there's a whole other idea like maximalism, like an anti-minimalism thing. Right. But I felt like you were right in the middle of like, well, I'll let you say it. I feel like you were in the middle of both of those messages, which some, which a lot of us don't relate to either of those extremes. Yeah, I, I really don't because I've done the maximalist thing. I think that's in America, at least. I think that that's, that's like the baseline. That's what people go to. That's normal to have a giant house full of stuff, closets you're embarrassed to open, a garage you don't want to go in because it's full of, you don't even really know what exactly. And also to have a storage unit you pay for every month because the 2,500 square feet wasn't enough. Like this is normal. That's maximalism. (laughs) Maximalism as a decor style is a different story, but I think that naturally in this society, that's where we're at. And then minimalism, meaning the type of minimalism that is the least amount of things you could possibly get by with is kind of a joy suck. I feel that when people come to minimalism, it is because they've realized that their stuff is actually owning them and they're done with that. But then it can get to this other side where it's so legalistic and they're so uptight about it. And there's so many rules about how many jeans is the right number and how many books is okay, what to do inside of your fridge and all these things. It's like, well, geez, like now I feel like I'm failing at this. And then I feel like you're changed to your stuff in a different way, in the opposite way. It's still owning you though, because you're obsessing. And again, we got to watch our identity. Now you're like, oh, I'm a minimalist. So I'm supposed to have this amount of, is it serving you? Is it helping you? Is it really working? Like, I don't want to, I just personally, I don't want to spend that much time thinking about my stuff. I just want to live my life. So my decor style is not minimalist. I don't really think that I'm a minimalist. I'm an editor of my space. I'm intentional. I make sure, like I said, it's working for me, not the other way around. But yeah, I, I think that I think that it's a slippery slope and it can very easily just get to where you are completely owned by your things just on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. The rules and stuff is what really like yes. starts to make me nervous about you can only have a certain number of this or your aesthetic, which is something wrong with a minimalist aesthetic. If you just like the way that looks, sure. but it's almost like, and I'm, I'm not like uh, making light of this at all, but it's almost like an eating disorder of the home. You know, it's like so restrictive. I think you're right. And I think too, like what you said about like, if you like that style, great. Like, that's the thing. Do you like this? What's working for you? Let me give you two examples to kind of drive this home for the listeners. There was a time in my life that I write about in the book where my husband was working like 14 to 16 hour days, six days a week. He was never here. He was always gone. And I had four babies four little like toddlers and babies in another state away from family. And like, it was crazy away from everyone. And at that solid chunk of years of my life, I needed the bare freaking minimum. It did matter exactly how much time I was spending on my house because 
I noticed that I would break, I would crack, I would explode. I would snap at my toddlers. Like I would not be a healthy person if I was stretched too thin. So it became my job and my priority to limit everything pretty extreme. I still wasn't tied to myself. I wasn't obsessing. I didn't have a bunch of rules. I was just more ruthless than I am now because I needed to be. So in every season, something is going to have to give and you need to be the one deciding what that is, because if you don't, it will be decided for you. And it's probably going to be your mental health or a relationship, something you don't want to give. Right. So I decided it would be my things. We had bare minimum amount of dishes. That wasn't a time that I was hosting a lot. I was in survival mode. I was raising my kids and trying to start a business and keep the house running as seamlessly as possible. And so that was my priority. Now love hosting. I have help my husband left his job and we run the business together. We're together all the time. My oldest is 12. She's doing laundry. She's doing all the dishes. I don't do the dishes. It's a different season. So it's about what do you like? What do you need? What would support you? And we talk about that in the book as well. Finding the gaps. Where are there gaps in your home that it's not working for you? And it's, it's, that's the thing is like with the rules, who am I to tell you how many genes to have? I don't know your life. But you, I can teach you how to gauge what it actually is you really need so that you can be empowered yourself to make those decisions. And it's not joyless. It's custom to you, your lifestyle, your family, et cetera. Well, you mentioned jeans a couple of times now, which makes me think I have to ask you about this because I'm so curious. You write in the book about how a capsule wardrobe did not work for you. And I thought this was so interesting. Now, personally, because I haven't really tried a capsule wardrobe, but like in my mind, I thought, wouldn't that be freeing? But then I liked how you wrote about it didn't work. Will you share that story? Yeah, absolutely. So I, it was years ago and I was really just kind of making a name for myself in this niche. And I felt that pressure of like a capsule wardrobe was like the thing the thing. And I was just like, I see it. I can see, like, I have experienced more, more than anyone that your stuff takes up your time as well as your space. And that if you have less, you have less of everything that sucks, stress, you know, chaos, chaos. I want that. And so I thought, okay, let's try it. And I lived that way. I think it was like 18 months. I think I say in the book, it was either 18 months, two years, somewhere around there. It was the worst. I, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, I would be absolutely some kind of like fashion for moms, like something to do with expressing yourself through your clothes and your body. Like, I love it so much. I think it's so important. It's a major part of who I am always has been. I would like spend hours planning my outfits for school. When I was a kid, drawing them out and sketching them like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, watching the Olsen twins. So I could get inspiration. Like this is my jam. And so to take that from me and keep it like one pair of, a pair of black skinny jeans, one pair of de, you know, regular denim boyfriend jeans, one pair of flats, one pair of tennis, all these things that it's supposed to be like a certain, under a certain amount and things that you can all mix and match. So there's really like not a ton of expression or patterns like you can, but it's limited. I just was so, it, it was so hard for me. I honestly like this might sound dramatic, but I felt kind of depressed. I feel like I was cut off at the knees and couldn't 
do anything. And I realized my favorite part of date night is like, oh yeah, I like spending time with my husband. He's cool. But like the outfit, planning what I'm going to wear <laughs> and like expressing myself and getting out of the house and like going out for drinks and like a cute dress. Oh, I live for that. I love it so much. And my job is all video and photo shoots. Like this is a huge, huge part of me. And when I ditched it and just allowed myself to mindfully shop, which we talk about in the book, talk about in the courses, I felt alive. So this is where I have a problem with the rules again. We have to be careful. I know someone that the capsule wardrobe, she's just naturally that way. She doesn't need anyone to give her the rules of that. But in the kitchen, she is so expressive. She loves to bake and cook. She's in there all the time. William Sonoma is her favorite place to get a gift card to. I'm the opposite. Just want to get in there, get the job done. My closet, give me all the options, all the textures, all the colors, all the prints and patterns and playing with how it looks with my sleeve and my hair and my earrings. Like, give me all of it. I love it. But I still can be aware and mindful when I'm shopping and learn to appreciate something beautiful that I know I won't really actually wear and not have to buy it. So it's finding your own balance. Well, and it's so similar to what we were already saying about your space matters that you know, what you wear matters. And listen, in Los Angeles lockdown, like I went through a full dadgum year where I wore sweats. Now I tried to make, I like purchase cute sweats. So, but I mean, I was in sweats for like a full year plus. I am just now, I feel like even after some body changes and whatever of the stress of the last year coming out of that and being like, I I want to look cute. Like I'm tired of looking like I am frumpy. Like it was fun to sort of be in that all moment for the pandemic where we were kind of all in it together. Yay, stretchy pants. But then now I'm like, no, like this is like my space. Like we said, this is actually affecting how I feel about myself, how I feel about in my body and my self-confidence when I see myself on screen, whatever. I want to like start making an effort to put on an outfit. And I don't want that to be limited by like arbitrary rules or whatever. But I also don't want to have a closet full of things that don't fit, that don't represent who I am, that I'm not excited to put on, that actually in some ways sometimes make me feel bad about myself because of everything. I want my closet to be like a place that I'm like excited to walk into and excited to put on my body. Yeah. And isn't that doesn't that sound good to everyone? Let's replace the thing I always am saying that your house is supposed to work for you and replace the word house with wardrobe. You paid for it. It's supposed to work for you. For in my case, in my story with the capsule wardrobe, the whole point was to like be a minimalist, to be like, Ali Casaza, I've got a capsule wardrobe. How boring, like who cares? And, mm-hmm. it, and it sucked for me. So it's, it's just about how does that feel to you? Like I always tell my kids, is this helpful or harmful to kind of help them gauge yes or no in decisions and and things that they're doing and saying. And for me, is this helpful or harmful? Well, it's definitely harmful because I hate everything. I'm not looking forward to getting up and getting dressed in the morning. And I think also I'd love to mention too, and I have a blog post about this, I believe there's a difference between like, you can't outdress self-hatred. So if you find that you just hate everything, you hate everything you own, you hate everything you wear, you hate everything you shop for, check with your relationship with your body and really connect there because just like it's never actually about the clutter, there's always a deeper issue that that came from it. That's a symptom of same thing with our wardrobes, hating everything, not wanting to get dressed is sometimes there's something deeper going on that we need to really deal with. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. A, a lot of what you're talking about is just about mindfulness and self-awareness, which is something we talk about so much on 10 Things to Tell You. It's like the one of the biggest parts of 10 Things to Tell You. And so I really want listeners, when they're thinking about Allie and this book, that it, it's, it's not a decluttering manual. <laughs> I mean, there is some really amazing tips in there that I like, but it really is about the way you're thinking about your space and your stuff and yourself. And that's what I really, really liked about it. Okay, so before we go, that you had two rules in here that I just wanted to point out, two of your like sort of tips or thoughts that really stood out to me because again, I don't hear them talked about very, very much. And here are the two things that I want you to say more about. One was don't go behind your kids' backs and, you know, donate their stuff or whatever when they're unaware. And then secondly, that selling items is rarely worth the time and effort. And I feel like when you're reading decluttering blogs or, you know, like listening to any kind of decluttering advice, those are kind of two things that you hear that you should sell and like be very, you know, you can make extra money with your decluttering or that you should just get rid of the stuff and your kids won't ever miss it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So do you want to have anything else to say about those? I just really wanted people to hear that. Let's yeah. Thank you. Let's talk about the selling stuff first. So Here's the thing. My work is an invitation for women to elevate out of status quo, the old way of thinking that wasn't working. And a part of that is realizing how valuable you are and how valuable your time is. And that when you get nitpicky and you start posting like all your tops and your shoes and, you know, every kid's toy and everything that you're decluttering on these Facebook sites and you know, Craigslist type of things, how much could you really get? Like if it, when it all is said and done, you know how these sites are and they're haggling. Well, yeah, you're selling something for $500. Will you take 10? Like, it's just like, my God, these, it's the worst environment. It's not good for you. It's such a waste of time. Honestly, don't you feel like so much of the time those sites and like when you're selling something, it's just like a slap in the face with how little people value what you spent on something that you're ready to release. Like, it's just, it's low vibe. It's never worth it. The times it's worth it is when it is designer and you go on like a, an app, like Poshmark that is especially curated for things like that, or sometimes furniture, but even then, unfortunately, like this is a lesson in mindful consuming because a lot of the time we buy something, it still has the tags on it. We spent good money on it. It's a piece of furniture that we don't need because we decluttered so much or whatever. And we, we, it's, we can't get money for it. And we freak out and we realize, wow, I guess now I know not to just buy more storage to fix the problem when it's a stuff problem. I guess now I know to really learn about mindful consuming so I can check in with my body and myself before I buy a sweater like that, that I'm not wear for three years, you know, whatever it is, this is a privilege. And I'll address that right out the gate. But even when I was broke, I don't know if you know my business story, but there's, it's crazy. And I was living under the U S poverty line. Like we didn't really always know where food was going to come from. It was crazy. And even in that time, like I didn't sell everything because it still wasn't worth the time I could work on growing my business. I could work on being 
an awesome mom. I could work on self-reflection. I could work on trying to help my husband problem solve and brainstorm how we're going to make it through the next week till the next paycheck. Like it still wasn't worth the time. So this isn't like a, Oh, well, like you have money from your business. And it like, I was still doing this back then. So I just want to invite you to rise higher above having to squeeze all the juice out of that lemon and get every penny and fight and pick and spending time on social media, commenting back. No, I won't take $10. 20 firm, like just, is it really worth it? And kind of elevate up to these are the things that I am going to sell. And also I love, love, love to talk about if you were to take like all your clothes, all your shoes, your kids' toys, and give it to like a women's shelter, a church places where people are helping other people. Like isn't that so much better than haggling and wasting time? And and like, I just think we need to think through this and I really don't subscribe to the whole, like, I'm just, I could get 20 bucks for that though. I there's I'm provided for, I've always been provided for, even when everything was really hard and that mindset got me out of being broken poor. So I don't want to go back there and I encourage everyone to get out of it. So that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> and then with your kids, imagine if right now you went to work and while you were gone, your mom came over or your partner came home from work early, somebody that you trust and love excessively came in and just said, she looks really fat in that. I'm getting rid of it. She never uses this. I've decided I never see her use it. I'm getting rid of it and got rid of your KitchenAid, your favorite dress, you know, your favorite noise canceling headphones, whatever is precious to you. They got rid of it because they decided really pause and think about if that happened, how angry you would feel, how betrayed and weird you would feel like, what is wrong with you to do that to me? It is literally no different for the kids. I think that if you want to raise a hoarder, somebody who has an incredibly dysfunctional relationship with things, take their stuff away behind their back. They are going to feel so betrayed and out of sorts. They're going to start to have like a leech approach to to things. And it is going to show up a lot of time. It also can show up as binge eating. It can show up in trying to control something else because they feel out of control. A much better way and the approach that I teach in the book a little bit, I got in there as much as I could. Lots of it was edited out, unfortunately, because it was too long, but there's a whole program for it too, is bring this into your family culture, start to talk about it with your kids make this a part of who you are as a family, that you're mindful consumers, that you don't want to spend so much time cleaning up. You want to go outside and take walks and go to the park and go to Legoland and play because you're not always cleaning up, knowing your child's personality type and motivation type and communicating to them about their things and getting them to be their own little minimalist. So it's not something else you're having to micromanage. Like there's so many other tools available to you as a mom that are way better, more effective and far less damaging, not damaging at all versus just going in there while they're at school and gutting their space. Well, and I also think that we're discrediting our kids that they won't make good decisions and we can teach them to make good decisions. When we moved a couple of months ago, we hired professional organizers to come in and help us. Listen, I've talked all about how that's like a total privilege, luxury thing. I totally get it. But one of the lessons that I learned in that 
professional organizing time that I had was they let the kids make these decisions. They went through item by item with them and my kids made good decisions. They didn't make the same like across the board decision I would make on what to keep and what to get rid of. But they were at eight, nine years old, rational human beings to be like, you know what? I don't ever play with that anymore. Let another child that would really enjoy that toy, you know, let it go to them. Like they thought it through. I mean, obviously, you know, there's a little bit of talking about it, but they made good decisions and there was not like the emotional (laughs) damage that you're talking about. And I was really heartened by that because that was, we did that before we moved. So maybe we did that like six months ago, the professional organizing. And it just became something that we talked about now that we're unpacking boxes and whatever to be like, can we release this? Is this something that we've outgrown or no longer want to take up space in our in our bedrooms anymore or whatever. And they are still continuing to surprise me with how they think about it. And in some cases, they're more willing to let something go before I am even because of the way that they've like started to actually take in this messaging. And so, yeah, I feel like we don't give our kids enough credit of that. They, they, they completely have the capacity to I agree. To learn to learn to donate or to learn that their space matters, all these things that we're talking about. They can conceptualize those things. Yeah, absolutely. And giving them the benefit of the doubt and giving them that I trust you and like we can do you can do this and you can do this on when you're on this page. I'm not gonna expect you to be on the same page as me at the same time as me, just because I'm all like, you know, I'm excited to declutter. So you must be like, we can start to slowly bring this in and let our, let our kids do their thing. My kids have been raised like this and it's amazing because they just will know. I, I just think that I have too much stuff. I took, I cleaned my room yesterday. It took me way too long. Here's the basket of things I never wear that don't fit me, that I never play with that I'd like to give to another kid, bring empathy into it. Like you said, there's somebody that doesn't have what I have or doesn't have parents or, you know, is going through a really hard time. My kids have been with us to the women and children's shelter. And the, there was one day I wanted to like film it and they had privacy issues and that's fine. Just to show like the effects on these people. My kids came with me and they met some of the moms, some of the kids, and they were all going through things. We'd happened to come at a really great time at this particular shelter in San Diego. And it was amazing. They literally saw these people going through the hardest times, getting these things and helping the workers like sort through everything and make piles. You just don't realize what privilege you have until you share it. It's sharing that and teaching your kids that it's such a gift. So I just, I just think it's so underrated to not go in and just, oh, the kids are going to school. So I'm going to declutter their rooms today. Like I, I really think it is so damaging. Also, the way that we're talking about talking to our children, we should also, if we're if we're new to this idea, if if we know that we need some changes in our lives, but like we haven't quite made them yet, the way that we're talking about teaching this to our children is how we can also talk about this to ourselves. Like, okay, I want to start thinking about my space. I want to start thinking about decluttering. I'm not ready yet, but I might be. You know, so you're just the way you would talk about it to kids, like, let's think about when we might want to get rid of these toys or who, who else might benefit from this. We don't have to do it today. Just I want you to be thinking about it. That's how I would talk to my kids. If I talk to myself with that same sort of like love and patience and like less like desperation, urgency around this, then 
you know, it's a long game. We are constantly accumulating stuff and constantly needing to release stuff. We're constantly reevaluating how our space and our clothes and our bodies and the things we own matters to our mental health and our life. And it's an ongoing process. It's not like, oh, we decluttered now, now we're done forever. (laughs) Like that's not how it works. Right. Yeah. And I think also like releasing that, releasing shame and releasing, um, urgency, become aware. Let me teach you why this matters and why it's responsible for so much of the stress and, and losing it. Mom's losing it moments. And so many of the negative things in your life, it's not actually really your fault. It's your environment because everything we do does stem from there. And studies show that repeatedly learn about it, but there is no you're failing. If you don't change this now, there is no shame. There is no burden. There is no urgency. It's about like Maya Angelou said, once you know better, you can do better. So know better, do better. So you're beginning to know better and you can slowly begin to do better. It is not all needing to be done. Now doing like just one small thing is progress. You are now different than you were yesterday. And that is huge. Like go easy on yourself. I love every single thing we talked about today, Allie. Allie's new book is called Declutter Like a Mother. I want everyone to go get the book, but if they want to go follow you, read more about you online, take your courses, where can they find you online? Yeah, um, you can always just Google Allie Casaza, get anything close to that last name and and it'll be fine. (laughs) Um, The website is really set up for you to choose your own adventure. What do you need? How can I support you? Um, There's so much on there and the theme and all of it is just simplifying, making things lighter. And I'd love to connect on Instagram. That's kind of where I show up every day. So search Allie Casaza there too. And I can't wait to connect with you guys and have you read the book. Amazing. Of course, I'll link to all of this in the show notes. I'll tag Allie on our social media at 10 things to tell you. So everyone be on the lookout for that. Thank you so much, Allie, for being on the show. Thank you. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 things to tell you podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.